This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Just sitting here thinking, Michael, about all the faithful listeners we have yeah. who listen to everything we do on this podcast. And respond and let us know, you yeah. know, what's encouraging to them. That that It helps a lot, doesn't it? It, it really does. It, yeah. it motivates us, and it, it's great fun to read the comments. I have yeah. one right here from uh, a listener named Mark. Just a short note of thanks and encouragement for getting In the Studio podcast online. What mm-hmm. a wonderful program. I was sad when it went off the air and thrilled for its return. We took mm. a hiatus there from radio for yeah. many years, and now I've brought it back. Michael, you've been gifted by God. I truly enjoy your simple yet profound insights through music and in the studio that allow me to see the scriptures differently and wow. more fully, he says. Michael, I've been a fan of your music since Legacy came out in 83. Bought every album CD. You like this guy, don't you? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Bought every album CD through the, the 90s and continue with several since. Enjoyed a uh, biblical imagination seminar several years back, ah, too. So. Very cool. I think you have a friend there. Yeah, thank you, Mark. That's great encouragement. If you'd like to contact us, our email address is simply in the studio at michaelcard.com. Of course, we're on Facebook and all that as well. Mm -hmm. And just go to michaelcard.com and you'll find out how to reach us. Everything is one-stop shopping. (laughs) Michael's not hard to find. (laughs) No, no, not these days. (laughs) On the internet. And when you go to michaelcard.com, make sure you check out Michael's blog Mm -hmm. there as well, which is another feature of the website, which was recently redesigned and... Yes. So wonderful uh, yeah. and easy to use now. Yeah, so. the folks at Harvest Productions in Kansas City uh, take care of all that stuff for me, and it, it they really do a great job. Well, here's what's coming up today. In the second half of the program, you're going to share an experience you had with a camp ministry. Yes. I can't wait for you guys to talk to these two brothers who, who give leadership to this camp, and it's in Westminster, South Carolina. And it is, you know, when you hear, oh, it's a camp where kids, you know, who've had trouble at home— you know, in, in back in the day, you would say de- juvenile delinquents mm-hmm, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you'd think, oh, man, that's the last place in the world I would ever want to go. But you hung out with them. Oh, gosh, I don't want to leave. The, the, the sweetness of these boys, and um, I, it's just really hard to describe this place, uh, but it, it's uh, – it's, I'm, I'm trying to get one of my sons to actually oh. go there and work okay. uh, to give leadership as, as one of the counselors. In the first half, we're going to return to the Lament Conference, mm-hmm. a recording that was made a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard uh, your uh, teaching on Job, right. Lament. We heard the first part of David. We'll hear the second part of David today. Yeah, and David is a real focus of Lament. He's probably the principal Lamentor in uh, the Hebrew Bible. So we'll be digging into the Psalms yes. here today. All right, yes. that's coming up in just a moment here in the studio. But as we normally do, I'd like to begin with a song. How about I Have Decided? Oh, this is an old, old one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this this song happened in uh, uh, Cecilia Memorial Presbyterian Church, probably 1978 or 9. And we said the we used to say the Apostles' Creed. And I didn't grow up saying the Apostles' Creed in the Southern Baptist Church. We didn't do that. But every Sunday they'd say the Creed. And I can remember being about 18, 19 years old and thinking, I'm going to start living like I believe that stuff. Hmm. And that's where I have decided came from. All right. Well, let's listen to it. There's a wealth of things that I professed. I said that I believed. But deep inside I never changed. I guess I'd been deceived. Then a voice inside kept telling me that I'd change by and by. But the Spirit made it clear to me. That kind of life's a lie I have decided I'm gonna live like a believer Turn my back on the deceiver Gonna live what I believe I have decided That being good is just a fable I just can't cause I'm not able Gonna leave it to the Lord So forget the game of being good And your self-righteous pain Cause the only good inside your heart Is the good that Jesus brings And when the world begins to see you change Don't expect them to applaud Just keep your eyes on Him and tell yourself I've begun the work of God I have decided I'm gonna live like a believer Turn my back on the deceiver Gonna live what I believe I have decided Being good is just a fable I just can't cause I'm not able I'm gonna leave it to the Lord I have decided I'm gonna live like a believer 
Turn my back on the deceiver Gonna live what I believe I have decided That being good is just a fable I just can't cause I'm not able Gonna leave it to Let's look at Psalm 22. This is one of his disease laments. Now, the, the name of the melody is Doe of the Morning or Deer of the Dawn. This wor- these words don't sound like they fit with a melody called Doe of the Dawn. I don't quite, of course, we don't know what that melody is. It's been lost. But this is one of his disease laments. He's describing his disease. Uh, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. Here's a turn, but not the big turn. But you're holy, enthroned on the praises uh, of your people, of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. What's that? That's the formula of remembrance. He's thinking back. Okay. You came through for our fathers in the past, so maybe there's a glimmer of hope. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced, but, you can turn back again, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. (laughs) Let the Lord save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. It was you who brought me out of the womb. Job says the same thing. From the very beginning, you know, you were there. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You've been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me, because distress is near and there's no one to help. And again, this is all spoken in sickness. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me, lions mauling and roaring. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evil doers has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Sidebar, there's a more detailed description of the crucifixion of Jesus in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it never says that his hands and feet were pierced. Uh, He shows them his hands and feet after the resurrection, but all the crucifixion accounts just say, and there they crucified him. Of course, they didn't have to say what they did because everybody who read it knew what they did. So they pierced my hands and my feet. I can't, but let's get back to thinking, realizing this is first David describing his disease. I count all my bones. People look and stare. They divided my garments among them, so I'm sick. They go into my closet and get my clothes and divide them. And they cast lost for my clothing. But, here it is, you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword. My only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim here's I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he's not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried out for help. So oh, God showed up. 
I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows, therefore, before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the ones who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what the Lord has done. So he does this marvelous turnaround from all this suffering. So that was, that's a disease uh, lament. Psalm 109 is one of the really difficult psalms. It's one of the most brutal, although it's a psalm of Hesed. I think Hesed is four times in the psalm. It's, it's kind of long, but I think we need to, we need to read this. Uh, this is an, an, an enemy lament. Uh, and Jesus says in Luke 6.27 that we're supposed to love our enemies, but before we can love our enemies, we have to acknowledge that we have them. And I think we have to do what David does in Psalm 109. We're not sure who he's writing about. Uh, Bruce Walkie thinks he's writing about Saul. Um, I think he's writing about an unnamed official, but here, here's what you need to know. This is a person that David had showed Hesed to, and he had empowered him to care for the poor. He'd given him resources, right? He was supposed to take care of poor people, poor, helpless people. And what did he do? He took the money for himself, and he, he killed people. Okay, so David is lit up. He is so angry, and Psalm 109 is based on the fact that David thinks God is, is just as angry as he is. And so what he's doing is he's handing this guy over to God. And I suggest to you that, that it's, that's sometimes what we have to do with our enemies. right? It's not just I'm going to screw up my spirituality and be a nice guy and, and love you even though you, you know, tried to hurt me or whatever your enemies do to you. No, I'm, I've got to go to God and say, look, I'm really angry. Here's my anger. I want you to bust his teeth. That would be a really cool thing, okay? But um, it's one of those things where at the end of it you say, you know, I said things I shouldn't have said, but I needed those, to say those things in offering up this to you. I mean, this is Holy Scripture. What I'm about to read is Holy Scripture. So see what you think, but please don't disagree with me. Psalm of David. God of my praise, do not be silent. For wicked and deceitful mouths open against me. They speak against me with lying tongues. They surround me with hateful words and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I continue to pray. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. There's your opening statement. Okay, David prays this a lot. I'm surrounded by people who are accusing me and saying bad things about me. Okay, Here we go. Set a wicked person over him. He's talking about this, this uh, official. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he's judged, let him be found guilty, and let his prayer be counted as sin. Let his days be few. Let another take his position. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. What's that? That's a complex way of saying kill him. Uh, Let his children wander as beggars, searching for food far from their demolished homes. Let a creditor seize all he's had. Let strangers plunder what he's worked for. Let no one show him hesed. Cut him off. Cut him off. And let no one be gracious to his fatherless children. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. Let his name be blotted out in the next generation. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And do not let his mother's sin be blotted out. Let their sins always remain before the Lord. And let him uh, remove all memory of them from the earth. Okay, that sounds really bad. But what we're about to find out is he did all those things to the poor. For he did not think to show hesed. He was empowered to, to be kind and loving and help people get back on their feet again. And he didn't do it. He didn't show hesed. So don't show any hesitation to him. Now, it's, he's still not wrong. I mean, he's still not right saying this. But do you see how this needs to be said? Maybe you're better people than I am. 
For he did not think to show kindness, but pursued the suffering, needy and brokenhearted, in order to put them to death. See, it's like, get him back. You know, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He loved cursing. Let it fall on him. He took no delight in blessing. Let it be far from him. He wore cursing like his coat. Let it enter his body like water and go to his, into his bones like oil. Let it be like a robe that wraps around himself, like a belt he always wears. Let this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil against me. But you, Lord my God, deal kindly with me. For your name's sake, because your hesed is good, rescue me. For I am suffering and needy, my heart is wounded within me. I fade away like a lengthening shadow. I'm shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak from fasting and my body's emaciated. I become an object of ridicule to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads in scorn. That theme just comes up again and again in his laments. His disease isn't the worst thing. The fact that people are standing around him and saying, you got what you deserve is the worst part for David. Help me, Lord God. Save me according to your hesed, which is just what he asked for in Psalm 51. And that's what we need to learn to ask for, okay? Save me because of your hesed. It's like the centurion in Luke 7. I don't deserve this, but I want you to do it anyway because you're a God of hesed, okay? Save me according to your hesed so that they may know that this is your hand and that you, Lord, have done it. Though they curse, you will bless. When they rise up, they will be put to shame, but your servant, me, David, will rejoice. My accusers will be clothed with disgrace. They will wear uh, their shame like a cloak. I will fervently thank the Lord with my mouth. I will praise him in the presence of the many, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who would condemn him. That last statement really sums it up. God stands at the right hand of the needy. David is angry because this guy should have helped the poor and he didn't do it. And so he's trusting God. I bet you're every bit as mad at this guy as I am. So do this, do that. You know, he was cruel. You be cruel to him. You know, so that, in fact, that, that's just the best I can do. Walter Brueggemann, who wrote a wonderful uh, essay on this psalm, says, this kind of passion belongs back in our prayers. And you will, very, very many places, very many commentaries you read will say, this psalm is not for us. Because Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay? This is not for us anymore. And I want to ask those people, well, tell me what other parts of the Bible aren't for me. Because take up your cross and follow me every day. I would kind of like that not to be for me. But I, I think if we're going to really engage with Scripture and not just cut and paste and say, this is for me, I don't like this, I do like this one. This is the best I can do when I see this kind of anger. I think David, David is offering it up to the Lord. And he's saying, I'm going to put my enemy in your hands. And if it was me, this is what I'd do. I really think that's what's going on. And I think it's a step in the process along the way of finally coming to grips with your enemy. Um, there are people a lot smarter than me that disagree with that. Uh, let me, let's do 71, since I just turned 61. Because 71 is uh, about getting old. It's an old age psalm. Um, if, you, if you remember George Beverly Shea, uh, George, I put this to music for, for George, uh, George Beverly Shea. It was his favorite psalm. Psalm 71. And again, re- remember, David, the, David's death is really sad. He's a spent force when he dies. Right? He is a spent force when he's died. And it's, it's, his kingdom is divided, and, and it did not end well. And it, neither did it end well for Solomon. I mean, both of their kingdoms really did not... <laughs> end well. So this is, uh, this is 71. And those of us who are getting up in years, this is what David thought about getting old. And it's a lament. Lord, I seek refuge in you. Never let me be disgraced. In your justice, rescue and deliver me. Listen closely to me and save me. Be a rock of refuge for me where I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the power of the wicked, 
from the grasp of the unjust and oppressive. For you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. I leaned on you from my birth. He said that in the last psalm. Uh, you took me from my mother's womb. There's a, that's a theme for him. My praise is always about you. I'm like a miraculous sign to many, and you are my strong refuge. My mouth is full of praise and honor to you all day long. Don't discard me in my old age. As my strength fails, do not abandon me, for my enemies talk about me. There they are, this ever-present group of people who are talking about him and, and discounting him. And those who spy on me plot together, saying God has abandoned him, chase him and catch him, and there's no one to rescue him. God, do not be far from me. My God, hurry to help me. May my adversaries be disgraced and destroyed. May those who intend to harm me be covered with disgrace and humiliation. But I will hope continually and praise you more and more. My mouth will tell about your righteousness and your salvation all day long. Though I cannot sum them up. I come because of the mighty acts of the Lord God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. God, you've taught me from my youth. I still proclaim proclaim your righteous works. Even when I'm old and gray, God, do not abandon me while I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who will come. Your righteousness reaches the heights, God. You who have done great things, God, who is like you? You caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes. He's looking back on his life now. But you revive me again and again. You will bring me up again even from the depths of the earth. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Therefore, I will praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing to you with a lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for you when I sing praise to you because you've redeemed me. Therefore, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness all day long for those who intend to harm me will be disgraced and confounded. So This is an old man just sort of looking back on his life and asking God to be with him, you know, during what during what's left. Cool morning shadows sadly shift across the floor. Each time we say goodbye, it's harder than before. Even after all the pain of parting, still we find. We must mourn the death of the dreams we leave behind As I turn my back on all that means the most to me The sounds and smells, the light that dances on the sea The greatest gamble is to act on the belief That only the slave who leaves it all is truly free sacrifice that we both lay before his feet a thousand moments that belong to us that now will never be by faith we hold a better dream inside our hearts a time when our family will never have to be apart till then we'll struggle with just what it really means Of our beautiful dreams Mourn the death of our beautiful dreams In future episodes, we'll get to the lament of Jeremiah and of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's coming up, uh, so... Watch for those here on the podcast. Yeah, what what is Jesus doing in the moment when he's most being used by God? He's lamenting. Hmm. Yeah, it's a big idea. That is a tease. Yes. That's what we call a tease right there. <laughs> okay. Hey, I have a listener comment here. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, Dear Michael, I've listened to your music for 30 years, and in more recent years, I've read many of your books. Both the music and the teaching contained in the books have helped me to have a closer relationship with my Lord. Mm. The lyrics of your songs help make the scriptures come alive for me. She goes on to say, I have been engaged in God's word as never before, pouring over your books and those of others and come to trust 
what you do. So that, mm. that's rewarding to hear, isn't wow. it? Wow. I don't think anybody's ever said mentioned trust before. That means a lot. Mm. I listen to your podcast, and I'm challenged to allow the Lord to fix the broken things in my life. Mm. Thank you for that. Wow. That comes from uh, Cheryl, mm. who wrote to us. Anyone listening can write to us. Email in the studio at michaelcard.com. And Cheryl mentions uh, reading your books. You've always got something in the works. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happens. It's, there's always this this desire to say something and 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 communicate with people. And I guess I'm an affirmation junk, these, junkie. There's an, always this desire to be oh, affirmed we, by we, people. We all are to a degree. Sure, I understand that. Sure, but I think it's Wayne. It's just something that you carry with you all the time. I mean, I just drove up here from Nashville, mm-hmm. seven eight hour drive. Mm-hmm. And, and what were you doing? I was I was listening to um, uh, ideas on tape, and I on yesterday when we first started recording programs, uh, we went we found a Ron and I found a Best Buy. I got a little uh, dictaphone machine. So my plan is when I drive home uh, back to Nashville, I'm going to try to dictate some ideas, and 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 other uh, rather than just driving along and thinking about them. And occasionally gr- trying to grab a piece of paper and write an idea right. down, which isn't always the best thing to do when you're going 70 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, I tell you to take a break, but then we'd lose all these great thoughts. Yeah. So. No. I no. I and and that's that's something I've learned over time. You'll get an idea and you think, oh, this is such a great idea. You think of it in the middle of the night. This is so good. I'll write that down in the morning and it'll it'll be gone. All so right. it it really is something you carry with you all the time. And and sometimes it's a refreshing thing, and sometimes it's just a burden. It just I'd like I, I thought about Hesed for ten years, and it, it, after a while it was like, and even my wife will say, "Can we talk about something?" <laughs> something. <laughs> Susan, we understand. Well, we're just at the halfway point in this session. There's much more waiting for you in the second half. If you'd like to share what you found on this podcast with a friend, we've made accessing the program as easy as possible. The program audio is updated each week on our website, and we keep several sessions available with all the program details for you to follow up. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now Spotify. You can find it when you search for Michael Card or get the links at michaelcard.com. And you can extend the impact of the teaching you've heard from Michael. Check out his weekly blog posts, music, books, and conferences that address other topics based in the Bible. Explore all this for you at michaelcard.com. Well, coming up, we're going to learn about Fair Play Camp and their tremendous ministry to troubled teens. Right here in the studio with Michael Card. Next week, join us for a classic party in the studio with Michael Card. This edition is the 200th radio broadcast coming from the Mole End Studio. The celebration will include music performances by Michael, a conversation with Dr. John Piper on the meaning of the gospel, and a visit with the men of the Empty Hands Fellowship. The study of God's Word and true biblical community, a fitting way to mark this important milestone broadcast. Details at michaelcard.com. Glad you're still with us. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. The fun thing about the podcast is once you've downloaded it, you can stop and start. Yeah. And and uh, I know anytime. I do that as I listen. Yeah, you're not waiting for it to come on the radio. You can listen to it at your leisure. <laughs> right. Oh, leisure now. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah. A new word? Yeah, I'm reading a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to hear uh, about a terrific experience you had at a camp. Yes. And that, we'll get into that in just a moment. But let's talk about a song you're going to sing for us now. Yeah, this is the very first song I ever wrote for Bill Lane. So this goes back to 1979, probably. And, uh, and Bill Lane was? Bill Lane uh, was uh, my principal professor, uh, but he was also the pastor of the church that I went to. And um, Cecilia Memorial Presbyterian Church, this little African-American church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And here's Bill, you know, this uh, Harvard Ph.D., uh, preaching and giving leadership to this church um, I think he was there for seven or eight years, a pretty incredible time. But he, um, you know, one day he says, he says, Mr. Card, you know, you play the guitar, don't you? I said, well, yes, sir. And it never occurred to me that you play guitar and write Christian music. You know, <laughs> guitars are for attracting girls when you're in college, right? And, uh, and he, he hands me his sermon for the next week, and he said, write us a chorus. 
And I would love to say, oh, I'm deeply spiritual and I heard God's voice and I, in obedience, I responded, but I just did it to please Bill. I mean, I just wanted to please this man. Hey, who whatever meant, it takes. Absolutely. I, he meant so much to me. So the song was on uh, the second miraculous catch of fish, uh, from John 21, the, uh, when Jesus, after the resurrection, appears on the shore and uh, you haven't caught any fish, have you? He shouts at them, and they say, no, we haven't. We'll put your net over there, and you'll find them. And because there was an earlier catch in Luke 5, there was a first miraculous catch. Uh, when John, the disciple, sees this net full of fish, he gasps and says, it's the Lord. That's how we know it's the second miraculous catch fish. And all of that background came from Bill. I didn't do that homework. Bill did all that homework for me. And, but and you wrote the lyric. So. I wrote the lyric, but uh, they were his ideas. And and the the wonderful thing about Bill is he was so generous with his ideas. I've had people come back and say, here, I wrote this song on this chapter that I read that you wrote. And I always kind of go, what? well, that was my idea. You know, <laughs> Bill was never, never that way. Never heard that from him. Oh, he was so glad to hear his ideas put into music. Well, let's listen to the song that resulted from that, uh, that pairing of you and Bill Lane, mm-hmm. Stranger on the Shore. Somehow seemed familiar Asking what the night had brought With taut anticipation then He listened to his order And pulling in the net Found more than they had ever caught The one he loved first recognized The stranger there was Jesus He alone remembered This had happened once before The one who had denied him Who had once walked on the water Jumped in and swam to him To be confronted on the shore You need to be confronted By the stranger on the shore Was waiting on the fire The smell of bread The sizzle of the fish upon the coals The laughter and the joy At once more being all together They didn't realize That he was searching all their souls Then came the painful questions That would pierce the soul of Simon A threefold chance to reaffirm The love he had denied The gentle eyes that saw his heart And waited for an answer Had seen the look upon his face The moment he had lied You need to be confronted by the strange Search your soul Before the stranger on the shore inside your heart. One of my
my personal favorites. Thank you, Michael. Stranger on the Shore. Well, there is a place that you visited recently because I saw your pictures on Facebook, and I could tell you really resonated with what was going on. Yeah, and it's not the first time I was there. Uh, We we regularly go. It's Westminster, South Carolina, uh, Fair Play Camp. And I've been there, I don't know how many times, four or five times. And it's the kind of place... um, when you when you see what God is doing there in the lives of the young people who who have struggled, um, well, our, our guests will explain uh, all the struggles that they deal with. But it is a place where uh, you know God is just doing His thing. I love I love going there. Well, it's fun to connect when when you have a connection like this yeah. to bring it back and connect it with our listeners. Yes. to pass the word along. So yeah. that's that's an, an incredible thing. Th- this is a place that needs your pr- needs everyone's prayers and and uh, they have a website you can keep you know keep in touch. Yeah, we'll put that on our yeah. program notes for this. Yeah, uh, but we want episode. to introduce the 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 two of the men who are behind this ministry and the 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 incredible things that are going on at this place. Well, let's first. Let's talk with Daniel Hutstetler, who is executive director of Fair Play Camp. You want to say hello to Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. Welcome to our little show. Thanks. Thanks for having us. The last time we were together, we were in uh, having the little chapel service in the woods. I think that's right. The boys really enjoyed. Just they talked for weeks afterwards. They different conversations would keep coming up about this song that Michael sang Uh. or. the little story you shared about if the devil can't make you do wrong, he'll get you to do right wrong, uh-huh. and some of those kinds of things. Some of the wise words you shared, uh-huh. they kept coming up. Uh, well, we we want you to uh, just basically give us an overview of the vision uh, and, and, and what's going on at the camp. Can you do that for us? Sure. Yeah, camp is a, is a residential home. We're licensed for 40 boys, and it's a wilderness setting. It's carefully and intentionally designed to use the environment to create an atmosphere where everybody needs to give everything uh, 100% effort to help each other. And so the boys are here by choice. They choose, uh, along with their parents, to they, they see a need for change, and they choose to participate. And uh, they live here six weeks at a time. They go home for uh, an extended home visit and to practice the skills they've learned at home. But they're here to help each help each other and help themselves. And you know, we're we're serving boys that have that have dealt with all kinds of difficult situations. They've had all kinds of different setbacks, and uh, our goal is to show them God's love and to use the camping program and environment, the facilities we have here to help facilitate that journey of healing that they all desperately need. Uh, Daniel, that sounds like a fantastic ministry. I have a friend who works with teens, and he says he's never met a bad teen, only those who have made some bad choices along the way. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. And, you know, camp is, you know, what I say, it's carefully and intentionally designed. It's designed in ways that no matter what you bring as a person, uh, you're treated as a person with value. And there's always something that you can find, that little flame of good that's inside that just needs, sometimes just needs a good, positive mentor to kind of blow that flame, that little spark into flame, and to kind of help that uh, teenager find something that he's good at instead of just being known as a, as a guy who uh, is a troublemaker. So finding things that he's good at, finding things that he can uh, he can make a difference with, and through that, uh, they're they're gaining not just confidence in their physical abilities, but just confidence that who they are as a person. They can build healthy relationships, that they can learn to respect authority, and they can, you know, rather than dealing with the problems that come up, you know, whether instead of their response being anger where they can take a step back and say, hey, let me find a new way to respond to those kinds of situations. And, you know, we just did Monday, we just did Families Day, and we had uh, each of the boys' family was here for uh, about half the day. And they and it was really neat to see boys interacting with their families in a really healthy way. Mm. And just the pride they have showing them their campsites and the, the tents they've built and the structures they've, they've created and uh, the educational things that they're learning. 
So, you know, there's a lot of positives built in with it. And uh, it is a difficult work, but it's so very rewarding. Now, I think one of the most important aspects of the camp, at least for me, was uh, what you guys call powwow. Could you tell us what the powwow is all about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, powwow is an Indian word for peace, and it's what we do at the end of the day. Uh, one of the cornerstones of camp is evaluation. And so learning how to stop and evaluate what just happened to us, like what did this experience do for us. And it can be as simple as, wow, that was a great meal that we planned and ate, or, you know, look at what we accomplished today, or maybe it was, and we really helped this other guy in our group really sort through some really hard things today. But it's the end of the day when everything is taken care of. We're all at peace with each other. We've accomplished all the work we said we wanted to get done, and we're all friends. And so it's a very non-threatening way to help boys put words to thoughts and feelings and accomplishments. Uh, because these are guys that, because of all the trauma they've gone through, um, most of that feeling is locked up. Mm-hmm. And they're not very good at expressing feelings in a positive way. So uh, it's a very, very useful tool in just helping them evaluate what just happened uh, so that as they get confident in that, they start going back further and further and start putting a word on the hard things that happened years ago as well. Daniel, why the wilderness approach? What what difference does that make as you reach out to these teens? Well, the you know the wilderness part it, it is not a survivalist attitude. It's not a you know a military type attitude. But uh, a bit like I said in the beginning, it's the environment itself creates an atmosphere where we need each other. A lot the same as you know, we all lived this way as a nation 150 years ago, where if if we were all neighbors, we all needed each other, right? We we would help each other with the work. We would help each other. You know, our families were intertwined. We helped each other with everything, and our lives depended on it. Today, we're a lot more individualistic as a culture, and so in this environment, it's simple. Uh, there's, you know, so it's not survivalist. But it's simple to where the distractions are taken away, to where we can focus on what's really important. And so the wilderness setting isn't the only way to do it, but it is a very healthy way. And there's something therapeutic about the calming, you know, being in the woods and uh, needing to trust each other, needing to learn to take care of each other. So that setting facilitates that kind of trust, not just between you know, for boys trusting each other, but boys trusting authority and, and the counselors that are living with them, for them to learn how to trust them and be able to transfer that to the other adults in their life. I think it's a great approach. I really do. Now, uh, Daniel Hutstetter, thank you. You serve as executive director. Why don't you introduce Pastor J.D. Miller, and then we'll ask you to hand the phone to Pastor. But tell us about Pastor and his uh, connection with your ministry there. Yes, absolutely. So uh, J.D. was a part of camp way back in the beginning. I think camp was first started in 1981. Uh, He joined shortly thereafter and uh, was the executive director for about 11 years and uh, is now a pastor of a local church, but has been a personal friend and mentor to me and uh, a very wise person as far as just the processes of camp. So I'm very privileged to have him still be involved uh, in camp, but also just involved uh, at church in, in, in our life. But here's J.D. Thanks, Daniel. I'm on, man. Pastor, it's so good to hear your voice. Yes, how are you, Mike? I'm doing, doing very well. Uh, we we, we want to thank you for giving us some, some of your time to tell uh, our listeners about what's going on at Fair Play. Uh, I, I keep tell, trying to tell people about it, but I just, I'm not able to, to, to find the language to, to communicate um, how remarkable the place is. So we need your help. What do you want to know? What pieces of it are you grappling with, Michael? Well, when I, I try to explain, I talk about powwow, how at the end of the day, you know, everyone, you know, looks back and they process their day together. Um, I, 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 we haven't talked yet about this program, but there's a, there's a list that everyone keeps about uh, areas that they need to improve on. And, and you know, to, to, just to say it in this context it doesn't capture the, this 
this experience that you have when you're there of seeing these young men really transformed. Right. You know, if I say, oh, this is a camp where kids who have problems get together, you'd say, ooh, that's the last place in the world I want to go. But the truth is, I just love, I love being there. The peace is there, and these kids are so respectful and so fun to be around. So I want you to help us understand how you guys are doing this. Well, there would be a couple ways I would describe it. Uh, one, one way to look at it is that you take the very complexities of Western culture mm-hmm. and you reduce it like you do a fraction to its very simplest terms. Try to take the complexities of how we live in the U.S. today and reduce it to its simplest terms where a kid has the opportunity to contribute and be a part of the processes of daily life in a meaningful way. And in that way, instill ownership for personal decisions, but also for communal decisions. And I think that's the power of it, is that so when people ask that you're living out of doors and you're, it's hardship, and it really isn't. It's simply an attempt to make it very simple so that a kid, at his, his cognitive development, can, he can realistically get his mind and his hands around what it means to live in a small group setting, but also in a, in a larger camp community. And not only receive, but contribute in very, very meaningful ways. That's so well said, Pastor. This is Wayne. Um, we've talked about this primarily in the context of boys, but you, you have a, a camp for girls as well, don't you? That's correct. There are two, uh, two programs that are set up for girls, one here in Oconee County, and there's another one run by the North Carolina Baptist Children's Association uh, in the... Um, eastern part of North Carolina. While there are some small things that are different in the girls' camps, like there there are some small variations that are made just to build on the strengths of a lady versus the, the rough and tumble part of camp is modified a little bit at the girls' camp. Um, they would do more arts and crafts and sewing and those kinds of things versus uh, some of the very high energy kinds of things that the guys do. But but the programs basically function the same. Pastor, you have invested so much of your life in what's going on there. Uh, why do you do that? What What's driving you to be involved all these years? No, it's the other way around. When, when I came as a young, egotistical guy and joined this program, I thought I was God's gift to these boys, but it didn't take me long to realize they were His gift to me. Oh, boy. And I really mean that. Uh, it, my investment is because uh, I'm a sponge, and I, I love to learn, too. And uh, while... Hopefully, and I know that I have in meaningful ways contributed to the lives of other people. I have received so much. And the other, the other way I would describe camp, and this piece of camp is, is a positive, but it's also challenging, especially for the transition as, as campers and staff exit it, is that it's kind of like a greenhouse effect where you... You willingly, everybody agrees to participate in this life. When when a camper says they come, when a family places a kid, when a staff member comes, it's all voluntary. And because of that voluntary commitment, you get to add the right amount of sunshine, the right amount of rain, the right amount of, and when I use words sunshine and rain, I'm talking about you get to with the right amount of structure, the right amount of problem-solving, the right amount of fun. You create this almost surreal kind of atmosphere. And while it's very, very hard to actually live it out, you get to kind of make that happen. And I think one of the things that I realized in my years at camp was that uh, I really started believing that relational difficulties could be solved 
at every level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not entirely true. And I think that's what makes the exit out of camp hard is because at camp, we literally stick with it till we get it right. Wow. And in life outside of camp, the, the reality that we're leaving the greenhouse effect uh, happens to every one of us. And the jolt of realizing that there are some things that can't be solved. There are some problems that people choose to turn their backs on and walk away from. But at camp, at camp, we really do work hard at that. Yeah. Well, it come it comes across. Um, and, and as I saw the lives of those kids, and we would sit down and talk and have, ask questions, and uh, sounds like a great experience for you. And it, it it really is. It's it's one of my favorite places to go. So and and uh, I know a lot of that has to do with uh, the leadership that you've given in the past, JD. But I know you don't want to take any credit for mm-hmm. it. So. Yeah, we've been talking with Pastor J.D. Miller and with Daniel Hutstetler of Fair Play Camp. And again, the website we will put in our program notes yeah. for this podcast, but it's fairplaycamp.org, so it's easy to remember. Yeah, and if, if you're ever in the area and you want to see a remarkable ministry where people's lives are really being changed, I'm I'm, I'm begging you, go <laughs> go see this place. It, yeah. it, it's life-changing. Yeah, I could tell how it impacted you when oh. I saw your posts on Facebook yeah. about it. It yeah. was, it was uh, very obvious. Yeah that the Lord touched your heart there, Michael. Yes. So, all right, well, we we know more about it now. We know how to pray. Uh, do you want to say just a brief prayer for this camp? Yeah, let me pray. Father, um, we ask now that you would um, make those, those young men at the camp, uh, even as we're praying right now, make them unusually aware of your presence with them. Uh, pray that your favor uh, would be experienced by all, all that are giving leadership by the the young college students that are that are there uh, pouring their lives into these uh, these boys uh, thank you for the leadership thank you for uh, Daniel and and JD pray that you give them wisdom and that uh, you just continue to do your your thing mm-hmm. at, at this remarkable place and we're asking that with uh, great confidence in the name of Jesus Amen. Pastor, thank you. Daniel, thank you. And we hope many people will respond to what they've heard about Fair Play Camp. Our session is almost over. If God has used the teaching, the conversation, the music in this hour, please let us know. Your comments, no matter how you send them, are a great encouragement to Michael and the team. Share your reactions when you pass on a review of the podcast, when you share a post on Facebook, or use the contact section on our website, michaelcard.com. On our website, you'll find the links to Fair Play Camp. You can access Michael's weekly blog posts, learn about his conference ministry, and other ways to expand on what you've heard in this session. If you need to listen to the program again or have missed a recent program, look for past sessions online. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or on Spotify. Come explore all this waiting for you at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll join us next week for a classic broadcast. And now for the whole team, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to In the Studio with Michael Card.